0: Welcome to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, Feel inspired and work at your full potential. Okay, I am very excited to announce my next guest is Daryl Edwards. He is a play advocate, movement coach, and author of April 2018 best-selling book, Animal Moves which we have here, it's always a bit dog-eared because it, we take it to the park and we use it with the kids. My five-year-old, it's my five-year-old's favorite book because she loved getting involved with, with this and, and being playful. So I'm sure Daryl will tell us a bit more about that in a bit. Um, he is most passionate actually about working with people who don't really like exercise. If you're one of those people that just can't get into going to the gym, doesn't really like exercise, the idea of lifting weights and you like something a bit more playful, a bit more you know you can go to the park and just enjoy yourself then you'll you'll really enjoy what Daryl has to say about that. Um, His work has been published in titles such as Men's Health, Women's Health, Elle Magazine, Top Sante and featured on BBC documentaries such as Eat to Live Forever and Doctor in the House and what I find most unbelievable is that he has just turned 15. You tell me if this guy is 50 there's no I've seen him jump so high there's no way this guy is 50 so let's you tell me what you think in the comments on that one, Darren Edwards.
1: Hey, wonderful
0: to have you on the show. How are you, Hi,
1: Andrew? Oh no, I'm I'm well. Thank you. Thanks so much for the a uh, fantastic introduction, and it's a, it's certainly a pleasure to be to be online for sure.
0: Yeah, it goes it goes without out saying, um, Darrell. just tell us a little bit about how you got into this writing the book. You know, this, I mean, you mentioned a couple of documentaries, but you know, you had another book about the, the paleo diet and know things like that so just can you just tell us a quick background and how you got into doing this work your purpose behind
1: it yeah so um wanted to be a doctor at five years old well actually i was told to be become a doctor by my mother at five years old interested in the sciences went to grammar school uh found out about computer technology (laughs) decided that i actually preferred computer science rather than sort of human sciences and studied computer science, went to university, became a programmer. I worked for Microsoft in the early to mid nineties. Then I got headhunted working in investment banking because back in those days, tech wasn't wasn't paying very well. It was just the honor of working for a large technological company that was was prestige. They weren't paying that well. And like nowadays, um investment banking were paying a premium for people with tech skills like myself i spent the next sort of 20 years or so working within investment banking had an annual health check got told pretty much that i wasn't wasn't a happy bunny wasn't well so pre-diabetes one step away from type 2 chronic hypertension which is elevated blood pressure And uh, I had other other health issues as well. So high elevated risk of cardiovascular disease because I had a really poor cholesterol profile. And the solution offered to me was taking beta blockers for blood pressure, taking metformin Mm -hmm. to reduce my blood glucose levels and to take statins to to manage my cholesterol issues. Uh, And I was just concerned about taking meds. I was like, I don't really want to take medication. Classic pharma. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about the side effects. If I really have to, I mean, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not anti-medicine, I'm not anti pharmaceuticals but I thought if there's anything else that I can do first, if I can delay having to start taking these meds, let me Mm -hmm. investigate that. And I knew exercise was one way to help with blood pressure. So I was like, let me start exercising. I have a very sedentary lifestyle. I'm sat at a desk 16 to 18 hours a day. Maybe if I exercise, more move more that may help Mm -hmm. and fortunately within a short space of time about about a month or so my blood pressure came down my blood sugars started to normalize my cholesterol profile started to improve and and i was really on top of my doctor saying right look retest let's keep checking i want to make sure this is a long-term change and a short-term one unfortunately my doctor was very supportive you know, he was just like, at the moment, everything is good. We'll keep monitoring. And can you tell me a little bit more about what you've done? Because this, this could be really useful for my patients as well. So yeah. so he took an, an avid interest, a research interest, an evidence-based interest of what I was experiencing. And that kind of piqued my interest as well. Mm. So that made mm-hmm. me kind of go, oh, it looks as if there's, there's a reason why this is happening, which isn't just about me. It's about, yeah. you know, how our physiology responds to lifestyle, improved lifestyle inputs. So I changed
0: Can I ask a question then?
1: Yeah,
0: is, go ahead. Is, uh, some, no, because some doctors, you know, they, like you said earlier, they go straight for the, let's just, there are symptoms here and there are some drugs that you can take to cure those symptoms. But your doctor that actually was interested in the causation, you know, what was the underlying, what was causing this problem versus just trying to solve, solve the problems that I'm hearing?
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I would say that um, you know most most patients do want a solution. They mm-hmm. want a remedy when they go to their doctor, and often that yeah. remedy is seen as a doctor writing a prescription, go to your pharmacy, mm-hmm. get the drugs, and 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 Bob's your uncle. So, so mm-hmm. I to be fair, I, I don't I don't think there was a problem with my doctor's response. I think the I think it was. Down to my concern, if I wasn't concerned about taking the meds, I would have mm-hmm. taken the prescription. <clears throat> I I would have been very happy with that quick fix. Gone back mm-hmm. to work. Oh, great! I can control my blood pressure now. Maybe I'll be less stressed when I'm right. in the working environment. You know, who knows what I would have what I would have thought? But I think I would have been happy with that. But the, the the concerns to me were the side effects and the fact that I would have to take these meds for the rest of my life. That was right. that was my <clears throat> concern. How long do i take these for what if something goes wrong and is there anything else that i can do mm-hmm. and and so i i basically petitioned with my doctor can i have what time is time do i have <laughs> do you know what i mean am i gonna mm-hmm. will i will i die in the next 30 days if i don't take these meds and, and he's like right. no you just increase risk within the next five mm-hmm. to ten years you probably will get a cardiac event you know a heart attack or stroke if if you don't change if nothing changes if you don't take these meds so I'm like okay well i've at least got 30 days 60 days a few months a year to see if i can change my lifestyle and have a good outcome and and that's so that's what happened so he 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 didn't resist right. he wasn't resistant and i wouldn't even say that he was an advocate for lifestyle change he mm-hmm. just recognized that i was able to make the decision to take the medication or not and the worst case scenario for him was you'll just die prematurely that, that, you know, he was like, if you do nothing <laughs> at all, you will have, you will have some form of lifestyle condition like type two diabetes or a stroke or a heart attack or something like that will happen in a very short space of time. And I'm right. like, okay, let's see what else. Let's see what we can yeah. do about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Can I, can I yeah. just ask because, you know, I talk to a lot of business owners
0: and it it seems to one day they go to the doctor and they, and they, and they hear what you heard, you know, pre-diabetic, mm. blood pressures are up, um, waistline isn't where it, it should be, you know, those mm. sort of things. And it's like, it just happened overnight, but there's this insidious kind of nature to it, isn't there? That it, it seems yes. to creep up on, on people, yes. particularly yeah. if you add in the stress of running a business as well, which a lot of the people that listen to this and watch this show are, you know, business owners who are trying to manage all those things and their health. But, but it, there's this insidious nature to it. Is that right? Yeah, that's a
1: really good point. I, I mean, there's a there's a gestation period for for these conditions, which are are lengthy. I mean, it's a it, there's a there's a lengthy genesis and like an accumulation of 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 a buildup of these conditions, which then lead symptomatically to some form of disease, mm-hmm. and, and 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 so. You know, um, hypert- chronic hypertension doesn't happen overnight. It isn't a binary switch. It, it, it develops. It grows. Hopefully, it's monitored, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, now it's now it's dangerous. Right. So, of course, prevention always, is always better than cure. Prevention is always better than trying to suppress the symptoms. Mm-hmm. And um, if many of us could go back in time and were willing to make the sacrifices, because they are sacrifices, are willing to challenge themselves to live a more healthful life and make all the right decisions, then of course, many, many conditions we wouldn't have to be dealing with. I mean that that's that's yeah. being frank. <laughs> but the reality but the reality is we do feel bulletproof for a significant amount of time whilst these conditions are slowly creeping up before they make themselves you know, present to us. And that's the right. issue. So in my 20s, for example, I was partying hard. I was working long hours. I did want to, to uh, you know, improve my, uh, you know, increase my, my earning potential. I wanted to work for myself, so I became a consultant. I didn't want to be, be employed by anyone. Uh, and I had an incredible lifestyle. But the sacrifices I made in order to get there meant sleep deprivation. They meant eating on the go. It meant that the time in the gym meant I wasn't attending a meeting. It meant I wasn't making money. It meant I wasn't actually uh, working towards the the meritocracy yeah. of work hard, play hard, <laughs> get rewarded hard. Right. So, so something like the gym was a, uh, an impediment, it was like an hour in the gym, are you kidding me? You know, look at all the things that can happen in a banking environment in an hour. We could lose, you know, millions of of pounds, me not sitting at my desk, I need to be at my desk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, go and get me a sandwich to the office junior. That, you know, why why would I even walk to to get a sandwich? No, I'm at my desk, go and get me a sandwich. You know, so why sleep (laughs) when I could be still making money? So so I put, I suppose I put my health and well-being to one side because I didn't feel the impact of that. I felt fine with two or three hours sleep. You know, I had a red bull in the morning or two and a and a Snickers. You know, that was that was my yeah. that was my breakfast on, on on many days, you know, and yeah. and pizzas in the evening that the company would pay for. Hey, let's get some pizzas in. Yeah, sure. Yeah, fine. I don't have to worry about food. Yeah, thank you. You know, so I had lots of Red Bull mornings, <laughs> pizza evenings, paid for by, by organisations I was working for, rewarding us to keep us in the office. And so I'm, I feel fortunate that I did have annual health checks, which were pretty, yeah. pretty uh, effective. At giving how the, long ago was it when you started uh, making the
0: changes, Daryl? How long ago was it when you started said, right,
1: this is this has got to change now? So it's about 15, 16 years ago when I had right. that annual health mm-hmm. check. I, um, and I didn't leave banking right away. I, I continued to stay in banking. I continued to learn more about living a healthier lifestyle. So for me, exercise was the gateway to improving my health. I, I learned about nutrition. I got mentored. I cross-trained. I became a nutritional therapist. I became a personal trainer. All still whilst right. working, working in, in the banking environment. Um, And then sort of 2010, 2011, I decided I wanted to dedicate my life towards promoting healthier lifestyles. So Mm -hmm. I realized even within the banking environment, I was able to change, to modify my lifestyle, to be be able to still work and play within that environment, but have much healthier outcomes Mm -hmm. than several years previously. But I, I fell out of love, I suppose, with that environment, and I wanted to dedicate my life to this, and I yeah. became an author, started a blog, um, really started to challenge some of the dispel some of the myths in relation to mm-hmm. to health and well being.
0: And what um, were some of the things that you did? Yeah. What were some of the things that you did that that like in the way of you know for people that are listening to this, going, I kind of get where you are at, and I I feel like mm. I'm there now, and I want to make some of these changes. What what were some of the, the changes
1: that you made? Um, I suppose you've got to decide what you feel out of all the pillars of health that there are. So, you know, include included sort of top four or five, improving your sleep quality, sleep hygiene, you know, improving your diet and nutrition, improving your levels of physical activity, managing and moderating stress, especially chronic stress, um, improving the quality of, of connection, social connectedness. So let's say those are five just five pillars and there there are certainly more but those are pretty fundamental Mm -hmm. pick pick one of those that you feel most passionate about that you've you or you may have felt passionate about previously so maybe you were a former athlete maybe you played sports at school maybe you had lots of fun playing outside when you were a kid whatever it is that may be the way to get you back into fitness to get you excited about movement again Um, Maybe you train as a chef at 16, 17, but then ran a successful business in in a completely different field. So you have an interest you still may have that interest and passion for food. You can start preparing healthier meals. So so I, I think there are ways that you can very quickly start on this path of improving your health, like a nudge, almost like a nudge theory approach of like just taking a small step down a path where you feel it's sustainable for you and that you can maintain. And once you do that, the scope of of that change may widen to incorporate other areas. So I would certainly say there is no silver bullet. There isn't one thing that will make all of the difference. The, the, The accumulative effect of improving your diet a bit, getting more physical activity in, thinking about your sleep quality, you know, reducing stress and necessary stress, you know, all, all those things, you add those together. It's like compound interest. It's like the compound cumulative effect of that is very, very powerful. So, so I would, I would definitely guard against trying to focus on one thing like, Oh yeah, my diet's perfect. Now I've done my 30 day cleanse. I've done my 30 day program of improving my diet. I feel great. Everything's great. But Day 31, I go back to old habits. I start yeah. to I have a little cheap. cheat
0: day or i do you know, cheat yeah. Yeah. Cheat yeah, day becomes yeah, cheat yeah.
1: week, becomes yeah, yeah. cheat rest of my life, you know, right? So yeah, so I think I think um don't let perfection get in the way of progress. You don't have to live like a monk. I think that's the other that's the other thing that that on social media you can often see personalities and, and influences going yeah look at all the things that I'm doing look how perfect I am I'm making yeah, all the yeah, right yeah. choices you know I'm a I'm a chef I, I, I'm like a chef in the kitchen I'm like a nutritionist you know everything there is to do yeah. about nutrition I'm like four percent body fat you know. um, yeah, yeah yeah all that kind of stuff you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know all Definitely. of the science yeah. I know everything there is to do about everything in relation to yeah. being into into health and well-being and I live like a monk or a nun do you know what I mean and I'm so, kind of like yeah. but it's Instagram oh, life isn't it <laughs> it, it, yeah. Is. Yeah. It, it, it is. It and is. And I think obviously for most people, that's not, that isn't real life. People show their best lives mm-hmm. on social media, but also part of, I think part of the pillars of health, actually, when you look at the healthiest populations, if you look at the healthiest older adults, joy and happiness is certainly a part of their youthful, vibrant Um, life of of vitality and exuberance they're not you know miserable people you know that doesn't necessarily help (laughs) achieve uh, good mental health good physical health even good emotional health I mean it it, it doesn't so if you're getting if you're seeking joy from healthful pursuits that's the best way to enjoy the fruits of your labour and and that's one of the reasons why I advocate play you know playing out rather than just working out for example yeah
0: yeah yeah So tell us more about that because i think firstly I'd, I'd just like to summarize there was a few things that really stood out for me one was the, the sustainability bit you know doing something that is sustainable i really like the five pillars and and choosing one you know to to focus on start off with rather than you know some people write monday morning i am changing my life i'm going to sleep better i'm going to do i'm going to train harder i'm going to eat better and you know and, you know what happens, it all kind of unravels. But what I was hearing from you is maybe just choose one that you feel more connected with, which might be mm. getting back in the kitchen and cooking again, or um, mm. just focusing on sleep or, 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 or doing a sport that reconnects you with that sport and your friends, you know, and that, that social element. So so I, I, I like that rather than saying, right, you've got to hit these five things from Monday morning, you know, and then it's, and then like you say, after 30 days, everything changes. Um, I really like that. I think there's something to take away for for people to, to think about and not put so much pressure on themselves. And mm-hmm. also hearing from you that, you know, when we see, and it could be aspirational and that we see on Instagram, but also the recognition that for the most part, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. We're just seeing some sort of surface level. Maybe they did a, a 12-week transformation and they got their body percentage down to it, and then they're doing their kind of mental health kind of photo shoots, you know what I mean? And it's
1: mm-hmm. not really
0: that mm-hmm. that real. So I think we've got to be mindful of that.
1: Yes, um, sure.
0: Okay, tell us, tell us about the play, because this, as I said, is my five-year-old's favourite book, and I think one of the reasons why she loves it is because we do it together. There's something about, you know, we, we just say, right, let's just open the book up, we choose something, mm. uh, an exercise, an animal move, and, and, and she, she loves that. Can you, can you just tell us a bit more about play and some of the concepts in the book and, and,
1: and so on? Yeah, so, so, I mean, play, Einstein, or to tribute to Einstein anyway, he, Einstein said that play was the highest form of research. And, and once we understand that play is not a kind of subservient or subset of work, uh, that it isn't just superfluous, it isn't just something that should be sought out as an exception to getting the serious work out of the way. Once you recognise that fact and you realise play should be elevated in far more areas of our lives, you'll you'll recognise it can help improve performance, it can foster creativity, Mm -hmm. it can increase and improve human connection, social connection, build teamwork. So all the the things that we're trying to, to achieve professionally, whether that's as an individual, or collectively, benefit far more we benefit far more from a, a play-based state to delivering those objectives than we do a, a hard-working state. And right. for those who still remain to be convinced by that, or like, ah, oh, not no, don't really, I don't quite, don't quite get it, is if you look at children at play. So we often, as adults, assume play is just the fun. The hilarity, like, oh, you know, look, oh, look at them laughing and joking and like skipping through the fields, isn't it fun? That is not the entirety of play. That's actually the minutiae of play. That's the smallest, that's the smallest fraction of play that exists for children when they are when they are given the option to free play. When children free play, like I did as a kid, you seek out challenge, difficulty, what is gonna be really risky you know, you calculate risk because there's a significant reward if you can achieve that objective. You're not seeking out just the easy stuff to do. You're actually seeking out the things that you may have never done, that you're, mm. you're, that is unexpected. You're working out. I wonder what will happen if I do X? Yeah. What if I do Y? So hence why kids will do roughhousing and rough and tumble play and play fight and climb trees and you know, build go karts and you know play snowball fights and all all of these things which are traditional and and not not so common anymore unfortunately many in many areas but Mm -hmm. these traditional conventional forms of play adults do not tell children to take part in these activities children decide this is what we want to do Mm -hmm. right so for a child play is very very serious Adults, unfortunately, when we get involved, we downplay play. We refine it, we want to make it safer, we want to get involved. Hey, I want to play with my kids. Nothing <coughs> about playing with kids, but sometimes kids should be allowed to play with themselves, play with other kids, make their own decisions because there are more benefits in that, in that world. And as adults, we have a lot to learn from that experience because if we have this play-based mindset, we remove barriers we remove boundaries, we become more open to ideas. We're not thinking about what we can't do, we're thinking about what we can. So there are more opportunities. So from a professional point of view, and this has got nothing to do with physical activity per se, just the ability for the mind to achieve, play is a far, more, uh, a far better state to be in than just thinking about work, 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 work. Yeah. Okay, that's the first, that's the first point. In terms of active play, in terms of physical activity, the benefits of physical activity, like we feel better when, we, when after we work out, endorphins, the feel good hormones, serotonin, dopamine, all these hormones actually have increased secretion. We have higher levels of those hormones through play. So if you're playing the same activity, but you're doing it in a playful way, you actually achieve even more of that feel good factor. If you're doing it with other, other humans, those levels increase even more. So, you know, things like um, uh, oxytocin, the sort of bonding hormone, that, that increases. Hence why organisations do have team building days. Because, because even though you're working in the office all day, it doesn't necessarily mean that you bond together as humans. You're just there performing a task. But as soon as you do something which is more playful, which is more creative, which is, Hey, let's just do something a little bit different, you know, then there's high fives, then there's bonding, then there's laughter, then there's fun and joy. And you realize, Oh, there is something about this person that I enjoy rather than just seeing them as a job title you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or somebody that has to do a particular task yeah. for me. Like, so, so is all important and the best organizations tend to recognize this Silicon Valley, for example, play is a significant part of their day. Google engineers are given some free time in their day to do whatever projects they want. Free choice, do whatever you want. If it becomes something that we can utilize, great. If it doesn't, who cares? It just means you're better at creating ideas when you do get back to your work projects. You may have ideas that you can only have because you've been working in that play state. We will have things like table football, that you can, you know, have a knockabout with your with your friends at a given time, you know, they create this play state because they realise we're more productive actually. Who would afford it by giving our engineers and our staff more play time? We'll actually become more productive than just adding more work. Can I ask?
0: Can I ask a question there then? Because if we go back to your point earlier, where you were like, you know, an hour in a gym, no chance. I could be making money, or you know, why would I go and get some healthy food? I'll just send the juniors to go and get a sandwich for me and. In hindsight, mm. was it, was it the, the environment that created that for you that said, you know, you, you just have to, if you want to make good money, you're going to have to be present and you can't do that. You sort of become institutionalized. Or in hindsight, do you think, actually, if you'd got up for half an hour and gone for a walk or you'd done, you know, your 10 minute session in the morning or something to move the body, in hindsight, would you have been more productive or, or do you think it would it, the environment forced you to, to be that way because that was the only way to make good money,
1: um, make money. well actually that I mean that's a great question and I, unfortunately I have I don't have a theoretical answer I have I have the real life which was I did start to book gym time I, I, I booked out my diary and and I went to the gym right. even if I only had half an hour so I was literally like I'm getting changed you know I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not messing around, you know, I, you know, I'm running to the gym, I'm getting changed. I've only got 20 minutes to do a workout. I'm not watching TV. I'm not standing at the water cooler. I'm just getting it done. And I'm, and I'm back to, back to work. So I, I, I had periods where I was like, I need to prioritize this. I will book it in a diary and incredibly incredibly, my productivity didn't suffer. If anything, I was more astute, more capable because I'm the very simplest levels I'm improving oxygenation to the brain. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that happens. If you're sitting all day and you're becoming idle and you're trying to focus and concentrate, that, it starts to wane. Everyone mm-hmm. everyone is aware of that. You do some bursts of activity, you, you, you stop that happening. You stop that le- lethargy that occurs after long periods of time of trying to focus. So lots of research tells us the more active you are, mm-hmm. the more able you are to have periods of concentration and focus. Productivity improves. You're less likely to suffer from from workplace stress. You're more resilient, both mental resilience and physical resilience. You're better able to have an emotional connections. That's not just with your colleagues, but but friendships, personal relationships, you know, your your Mm -hmm. significant others. So there are so many benefits. Children perform better academically if they're more physically active. They're not. They're less likely to have hyperactivity, you know, attention disorders, less likely to have autism, spectrum disorders. All yeah. of the, all these things lessen the more physically active you are. So so it's not just about disease prevention, which is certainly a focal point for for, for some of us or for many of us. Yeah. It's also and, about and you, how it enhances your quality of life in the present. Yeah. 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 So it's not you, a trade off.
0: No, no. Well, I think it's counterintuitive as well, isn't it? You know, like you said earlier, it's, you know, why would I be going to the gym when I can be doing this? And I think, you know, a lot of business owners and leaders think, you know, I've, I've got my three-year plan and, you know, I'm just going to have to put health on hold for a bit because, mm. you know, once I get ahead, once I've hit my target, once I've got there, then I'll start thinking about my health because I'll have more time.
1: Yes. The truth is it never comes. <laughs> it never and, comes. you
0: know, the, the relationships start to, to fail around you and lose that social connection. And it just seems to just get further and further away and actually once the health becomes a problem, then it becomes even harder to be productive. And you, and you mentioned something about oxygenization. Can you, to the brain, am I Mm. right in understanding that not just exercise, but even what you eat can make a difference, you know? So removing certain things could make a difference to our cognitive ability.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we, we know we're impacted by the foods that we eat, uh, you know, in a good or less good way. Right. So, so, you know, you can eat something, you get a huge rush of, of of energy, and you're like, oh, great, great. And then you can have this significant crash, right? Mm-hmm. So we we know that can happen. Post-lunch slump, that you know, that that happens. The food you eat certainly have an impact on your mood and and your appetite. You know, do you spend your time thinking, oh, I'm, I'm permanently hungry, I need more food, I need more food? Or do you feel satiated? You have a meal and you're like, yeah, I'm good. For, for several hours, not even thinking about food. I'm just focusing a task at hand. So food certainly plays a part. And, and I think mm-hmm. the one downside for food for me, and it's one of the reasons why I focus far more on physical activity actually, is because there's so much ambiguity in the in, in nutrition science. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will say, you know, avoid all, all animals when it comes to food, only eat plants. Some people will say, forget about plants, only animal <laughs> proteins and animal food. It's becoming
0: more it's polarized. Kind of, you know, know, if anything, isn't it's it? becoming it's more, more, more polarized. Foodies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Don't yeah. eat eggs, you know, because they're bad for you. Yeah. Actually, eggs are good for you. Here, these are the these are the reasons why. Right. I, right. I I think certainly this is what I what I would say about food. Certainly, there are some obvious candidates of things to avoid if you want to maintain good health, right? You know, you certainly don't want to be um, excessively drinking alcohol you certainly don't want to be excessively eating fast food junk food processed food artificial food those should not be the staple of your diets. you should certainly be drinking water as your main beverage if you're drinking sodas you know fizzy drinks like sugary sugar based drinks that you know we 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 have a gut feel even if you know nothing about the science you have a gut feeling that if you are having fast food all day, that's not gonna lead to good health. It's, no, it's not. If I avoid water at all costs, and the only thing I'm drinking is coffee and a soft drink, no, 70% of us is made of water. You know, that's important for us to, us to, us to know, right? So, so I think like taking the small steps to embark on lifestyle change, I would also say reduce complexity. And that redu- reduction of, of, of complexity means you don't have to have a PhD in nutritional science and well, what's macronutrients and micronutrients <laughs> and phytonutrients and, yeah. and uh, the biochemistry of what happens in the gut. Forget all of that. Just think very simply, if I was going to a store and buying food to prepare a meal at home, right, what would I buy? And amazingly, you probably wouldn't be able to make a lot of the stuff that you could go to a fast food place and just get it or you know, off the shelf and, and pop it in the microwave. You probably couldn't make that type of meal. <laughs> and there's that's a really reason.
0: interesting way of looking yeah. at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of that's a good way of thinking about it. You know, mm. there's a there's an inconvenience. That's probably one way of looking at it. There's an inconvenience. There's a discomfort which comes from making better health decisions. Right? Yeah. Convenience means I can stand in a queue. Actually, sometimes I don't have to stand in a queue. I can go to a fast food place, order, get the food within minutes, sometimes even seconds, start eating, job done. Feel that I've satisfied my appetite. It's tasty. Oh, this is great. You know, I can't wait to have another one. Why didn't I buy two of those? You know, right? (laughs) Then I can wash it down with a sugary beverage. Oh, this is great, beautiful, love it. Right. And then half an hour later, I'm like, oh, I'm hungry again. Mm-hmm. that's convenience for you those are some of the consequences in the short term in the long term you keep eating that sort of diet you're going to have a whole smorgasbord of health problems inconvenience right I'm going to have to decide what I want to buy when I go to the store do they have it in the store can I actually prepare something with these foods Do I, how do I know what I should and shouldn't be buying then I've got to get take it home then I've got to think about Cutting it up, preparing it, cooking, how long for, you know, <laughs> it, it's yeah. it's that's a, a more difficult, time-consuming pursuit. You receive health benefits of doing that, but arguably people say, I don't have the time, I don't have the ability. So there comes a time where you've got to decide for yourself where when do I seek out inconvenience? Because when you seek out inconvenience when it comes to health and well-being, that's where you tend to receive the benefits. It's not convenient for me to get out of the chair and and go outside for a run or or go and meet up with my friends and place. That's that's an inconvenience. It's for me. It's easy for me to sit on the chair, play my Xbox or watch Netflix. No word of a lie. I, you know that that. Do you think I could do that? Do you think there's something very human about that, Daryl? Do you think there's something? Yeah.
0: Because you know that you know we are looking for the the least force of resistance army always as human beings you know our ancestors would have lazed around quite a lot but they weren't being exposed I mean I'm talking like 15,000 years ago you know they would have been exposed to industrial seed oils they would probably wouldn't have been eating as much sugar was fruit and that would have been seasonal um it would have been meat and veg for the most part or plants you know um and then they would go and hunt you know so that's their activity you know and Mm. but for the most part it would have probably been just hanging around, being lazy, and then maybe there's something that we ha- that that we have to that we have to be counterintuitive around, like when we, yeah, we do I that mean, voice, just, you know, "I want to lay down," but actually, no, I need to get up.
1: And, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I suppose there's two things there. So one is it, that one is the misconception. There is a misconception, actually, that that our ancestors didn't actually do very much apart from you know they were hunting. Yeah, got food. Now I can laze around all day and do, and do nothing. So one, there is that misconception. And we have the evidence based on modern day hunter-gatherers who are hunting and, hunting and gathering in the same way as they have done for 30, 40,000 years. The Houssan in, in Namibia, for example, are one example of those of those right. tribes. So, so we have current modern anthropological evidence to see what are the movement patterns of, of humans going way back for, for Homo sapiens. So one is... Um, There wasn't this bounty of food, you know, you go on a hunt and it's like, oh, here you go. I've just picked up a gazelle. Right. Thank you very much. You know, no, it was arduous. Several hours. You might you might um, you might walk eight miles before you can go to your hunting ground. Right. So eight miles to get there. Then you have to try to 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 kill an animal, which isn't isn't always successful. So this is some some of the things we don't think about it was often unsuccessful. We would prize what was gonna be the most nutrient dense. We didn't always get it. The biggest, what can feed the most people, that's what we wanna get. The most nutrients, yes, that's what we're gonna get. Didn't happen very often. So we'd have to get smaller animals. We'd have to use, we'd have to gather food as well, which meant that's why we had to subsist on things like tubers and plants and other things because we couldn't always get the prize. We couldn't all, all eat the heart. Or the liver of the animal, because that you know, there's only so much of it, it goes around. So that's yeah. why, that's why we're we're omnivorous in nature. That's why we also were scavengers of food, not just hunters, not just gatherers. That's one of the reasons why we were driven to agriculture, because there's more consistency with food availability when you have animal husbandry and when you're planting seeds and there's gonna be a harvest and you can store food. That's why that's why humans made the decision more convenient less hard work if we farm if we agriculture that's that's what drove us convenience drove us to make those decisions um also we were nomadic that's the other thing people forget about you know our ancestors nomadic which meant we walked for miles and miles sometimes yeah, I heard it could be
0: like 12 miles a day or something is that right like well, that would be, yeah that would, be,
1: that, would be, that would be that would be you know the norm but yeah. when, when tribes are moving from one location to another, so this would be the entire intergenerations, right? Children, parents, grandparents, which would tend to be, you know, humans are one of the only mammals that have usually have this kind of two tier of generations that, that, are, that are still alive, right? Continue to stay alive, to look after the young and, and for us to look after the older adults. They would all travel 30 to 40 miles right? Sometimes within a day, I mean, imagine, imagine that, right? In a day to go to a a new, a new area, right? So physical activity was, you know, we shouldn't romanticize how everything was. Yeah. People sleeping, swatting flies all day, sleeping all day, go for a quick hunt, you know, dead. Oh, great food. No, 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 no. It was hard work, hard graft. That's why humans had to become, Adept at being generalists. That's why we built traps. That's why we, we created tools to make it easier. We didn't have the ability of the cheetah to you know, chase a gazelle at sixty miles an hour and, and chase it down. And, and if, if you know anything about even the cheetah chasing a gazelle, cheetahs are unsuccessful for the majority of their hunts. And if they don't get, it's something like I don't. I think four. If they don't get a kill in four or five hunts they'll die. They just won't have the energy to go for another hunt. So there's you know this, what? There's,
0: there's a massive lesson there, isn't you know. there? Because, you know, just from a business perspective, we talk about, you know, embracing failure and the fear of failure and you know, mm. but we're in a world of perfection you know, where I, if I make a sales call, I have to close the deal. You know, I'm going to make five, so I want to win every but actually, what we, the reality is and I think even Roger Federer is a good example of someone who's, I think he scored one fifty-six percent of his points in his whole career you know, mm-hmm. but we get this idea that we've got to be perfect all the time and win consistently, but actually life is about being like the cheater, isn't it? You know, we're not, you know, eventually you will succeed, but we've got to keep getting up and going and going. And our ancestors also proved that we wouldn't be here unless our ancestors had had that resilience and understood the bigger picture. And I think there's something for business owners who, particularly now, you know, who maybe feel like they're failing, you know, but Mm. have to see the, the bigger picture. Just, just, something that really sort of stood out for me around that that we can learn from.
1: That's a great point, and I, and I think you know, not not wanting to play jargon bingo, but you know the the the, the sort of metaphors of low hanging fruit, right, mm-hmm. are all important. So, so there are two ways of looking at this. At the moment, many of us are thinking, how am I going to survive this crisis? You know, I've I've lost maybe I've lost a source of income, maybe I'm concerned about staying within within employment. Maybe I'm thinking about starting a new business, but what could I possibly do? You know, people are going to have less money, for example. And, and sometimes we are driven to let's think of the most complicated, extravagant solution to, to a problem. And that's what we'll focus on. That's going to give me the most rewards. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, actually, the simplest, easy to implement solutions may well be the best thing to do. So, the cheetah, for example, do you think the cheetah went after the biggest, strongest, fastest gazelle? <laughs> no, no. It, it scoped and it was like, I'm going to go for the youngest or oldest, weakest, slowest, the, the gazelle that's not really focusing on the fact that I'm kind of crouching, you know, crawling for the grass. And that's what, that's what will happen. But as yes. as humans, we sometimes we're like, no, 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 no. I've only can go for the big targets.
0: Yeah, I've got to complicate things.
1: Yeah, complicate things. Success, yeah. success, success. And yeah. as you say, like you know, same with Jordan, right? You know, he talks about how many people think about, oh, he just he just nailed all this, all those three throws and dunked yeah. everyone. Like in you know, some sort of natural of or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but actually, he worked hard at it. He practiced, yeah. and there were many times he didn't get that winning three pointer and and he lost and he didn't just lose himself he lost for the team or he lost a championship those things happen but but um you know i think of course we should be driven by wanting to succeed but uh, mm-hmm. again going back to play when children are playing if they only chose things that they would succeed at they wouldn't do it they'd be bored they wouldn't be motivated mm-hmm. <laughs> right you know they they are aware that most of the things that they try to achieve have a high failure rate. Because when they do achieve success, it's so much more rewarding. That, I mean, that's part of it. The dopamine hit you get is a natural response. It does make you think, you know what? Wow, that was a lot of work or a lot of play. But look at, look what I've just achieved. Look yeah, yeah, what yeah. I've just done. I mean, you
0: mentioned risk earlier. And that's something that we seem to lose as we get older, isn't it? You know, like mm. you mentioned about risk. We, I remember years ago, we were, doing, we were teaching kids how to, how to skate. And we noticed that the kids that are on the rougher surface fell mm. over less than the kids on the smoother surface because their ability to, to assess risk. You yes. know, that's going to hurt me if I fall on the rough gravel. <laughs> versus, yeah, yeah. You know, why would I fall over? Like, they're actually better. So there's yeah. that, that ability. And there's something that we, we get scared of taken that risk and there's something certainly you helped me do which is you know walking on a right why would I walk on a right but I'm walking on a rail that's that thin <laughs> you know yeah. and I'm kind of thinking actually I could do this or you know I haven't climbed a tree in 20 years there's got me climbing up a tree that I never thought I was, you know or jumping over something I thought was just too high because I yeah, might hurt yeah. myself All of a sudden, you know you know no you could do this and and there's something that again I know I keep making that that relationship to business but we seem to lose that risk you know we see other people growing a business and they say well that's for them you know or we see someone jumping mm. on a high thing that, that's what they do not really what i do
1: <clears throat> and i think
0: there's something about overcoming that which can be incredibly which yeah. i think it's what you're doing i think which is amazing
1: yeah it's 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 you know play for me started out as just engaging in something that i enjoyed active play but i realize it's it is a metaphor for my for my life because mm-hmm. it helps with resilience it helps with my mental health it does help me, you know. I, with risk, I think having the prefix of calculated is is what's important here. It's calculated risk. You know, a, a, a child again, a child doesn't go. I can do anything, <laughs> so you know, I'm gonna climb up this tree as high as I can. If it's 500 foot high, I'll just keep climbing because that's no. A child will go. Maybe I can get to the first branch. Right you know, that's maybe there's possibly, it's possibly something that I can do. Maybe I can feel more comfortable because my friends are here and they can help me get down. You know, so that's, this is why I can attempt a tree climb. If I was by myself, I wouldn't do it. And that's okay because it may not be safe. It may not, you may not feel capable, but there, as you say, risk assessment is important. And so sometimes, when you do increase the level of risk slightly not exorbitantly so just a little bit people are a little bit more focused the the, the skating on gravel versus you know uh, you know smooth surface or you know trap you know Mm. having a safety net (laughs) and not not having one you 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 know for sure you're going to be far more focused (laughs) if there isn't one so so i think i think in business this this is this is this is all important play Mm. is a remarkable Mm. way um, it's training for the expected. It, it can certainly help with resilience, mm-hmm. and I think this is one of the one of the dangers of helicopter parenting, of bulldozer parenting, of mm-hmm. a lack of free range um, children. So you know, kids aren't free range anymore. They have become like battery battery kids mm-hmm. who are cooped up, who who aren't given any freedom to make some of those life affirming decisions no 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 no. we'll we'll do where your parents will do it for you we'll say what you can and Mm -hmm. can't do in all situations you have to be tethered to us at all times and if you're not there has to be adults to be that you're tethered to for that time so you're at school tethered to adults you're doing you're doing some sports event sports you know um, structured sporting activities adults are there to tell you what to do how to do it when to do it and and so then we wonder why our kids, as they get a bit older, are suffering with mental health. Are, are, why there's an increase in bullying? Why mm-hmm. kids seem to have not sure where they, where and how they have a place in the world? Why kids are more depressed than ever before in history? Why there are more suicides taking place? Why there's more self harm? Why we have the ravages of, of things like type two diabetes in kids as young as three years old? You know, these are why are these things happening? Now and never before, and surely mm-hmm. it's because of the changes in our environment, in our decisions that we make as parents, and in our the inability for our children to do some of the natural instinctive things which are beneficial. So, yeah. so I feel grateful as a Gen X kid. I think they're called latchkey kids in the U.S., but you know, I I feel so uh, so much gratitude actually that my parents told me, get out of the house. Amuse yourself. Don't mm-hmm. come back until it's time for tea. Don't cause, don't get to any mischief. Don't bring any trouble back home, <laughs> you know. Don't cause any mischief. Come back when we tell you to. That was that was pretty much it. Yeah. And trust me. And 10 P, do you have 10p in
0: your pocket for the phone just in case you need
1: to make an emergency? Well, was that- there was certainly, there were certainly times when we I didn't have a penny in my pocket. You know, I I, I didn't, I mean, unfortunately we I, I came from quite quite impoverished background. So there were definitely times we didn't didn't have a penny. But you know, we just yeah. get we get back, or you're with your you with your friends, or I was responsible for looking after my brothers and sisters, for example. So, you know, like you again, you it helps you to to build to foster responsibility for yourself. I don't want my parent, you know, my parents to be overly concerned. I'd want them to trust me. That's probably what mm-hmm. it was. I want them to trust me to be able to be out all day and to come back safely. Yeah. So if I, if I couldn't do that, all that would have happened, they'd be like, oh, Daryl, you know, you can't even look after yourself playing all day, so you, you have to stay here. So of course you give them reason to feel confident. You know, you're with your friends, the other parents feel comfortable and confident about, about that. You become aware of dangers. You know, you know not to go down, you know, go into the, the substation, with the you know the pylon electricity pylon, or you you know I'll, I'm not going to go on the railway tracks because I might get run over by train. You know, like the, unfortunately, there are some children now that have have no are not uh, cognizant of real world dangers because they're kind of scared of everything. You know, there's this, oh my gosh everything is scary. Yeah. Everything well, I think media scary. has
0: a, you know? a lot to play in that, doesn't it? I mean, we so, can, let's not go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> yeah. you know, even for parents you know, that's a lot of scaremongering. So, you know, why would we let our kids kind of run run around and have some fun? It's dangerous out there, you know. Thank you for listening to the Scale Without Burnout podcast. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to com.